0: And I just want to preface this by saying we don't know who who wrote this necessarily, uh, but this person, their goal was to connect Jesus to the God of the Old Testament, to see these promises that God had made in the past and to show that Jesus fulfilled them fully in who he was and what he did and what he accomplished. And as we just sang, what he accomplished on the cross, how he's a high priest for us. He's the mediator for us. He stands in between for us. So as we talk about distraction today, we want to focus our attention on who Jesus is. So here, this description of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And let's just laser focus our attention on that. Here in Hebrews chapter 12 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children, my child. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when you're punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you're illegitimate and not as children. Moreover, we had human parents to discipline us and we respected them. Should we not be even more willing to be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Friends, again, I just want to thank you for being here today, especially as we start a new series. It's great for us to kind of come together and, and tackle, I would say, a difficult text from the Bible, but also a felt need. Uh, we wanted to do this series because overall, when we talk to people about what sorts of things in our spiritual lives we want to tackle together, one of them was just this kind of general need to say, I want less. Like, there's, there's so much more in my life. I feel, like, just totally overwhelmed, just totally full. And so we wanted to talk about uh, how we could get rid of some of those things. And this first week, I kind of want to lay a foundation for us to think about how we can get rid of a, a variety of distractions, how we can subtract, have less distractions. Uh, I want to start by telling you a story. And as I tell the story, we can put the check-in QR code on the screen. Just let us know that you are here. And I realize I'm preaching about distraction today and distracting you, but I think you can do both at the same time. Check in and hear this story. This is I heard it from an Orthodox priest one time. He said this. uh, That there was a man uh, on a journey with God, and they were walking together, and they'd been walking together for a really long time. And as they walked, God said to the man, You know, all this walking, I'm kind of parched and I'm thirsty would you step off the path? I think there's a village down there. You could step off the path and go get me a cup of water. The man said, sure, God, I'll do that. So he stepped off the path and he walked to this village and he found this home. And in this home, he found this beautiful woman and he asked her for a cup of water and he started to drink the water. He'd forgotten why he asked for it in the first place. And he fell in love with her and he stayed the night and Then he stayed a week and then months and then years and they had children together and they built a new home and they stayed in this village and he got a job and they lived their life day in and day out and they built this beautiful thing around them, this home and this family and this way of life until one day a storm came and there was a hurricane coming to sweep away this village. And as it was approaching their home, as it was approaching the village, the man who had come to get this glass of water knelt down and he prayed and he pleaded with God, God save us. And from the middle of the storm, he heard a voice say, do you have my glass of water? (laughs) And it's obviously a parable, uh, but it Tells I think the the point of the story is it draws our attention to how easily it is to be on a spiritual journey, a spiritual walk, a, a spiritual way of life, and then when we're kind of taken off the path, or we step off the path, and we get so easily distracted, and and there's just things vying for our, our attention all the time. We live in, as I've shared before, a uh, attention economy. That's what a lot of people call it, and so. When we talk about uh, our attention being grabbed and our our distraction being uh, so easily uh, bubbling up inside of us, we we think about, for me, first, kind of my spiritual life, my kind of baseline. Like, do I feel anxious and afraid, or do I feel at peace? Do I feel like I'm practicing well? Do I feel like I'm praying? Do I feel like the the inside of me, I have this connection and feeling of presence of God around me? And the world that we live in, and this isn't to be critical, this is just observational, wants our attention. It was kind of this pop thing, even outside of the church world, uh, to talk about margin. Like, do you have margin in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. If you feel so moved, you can, but just ponder this question in your heart. (laughs) Do you have margin in your life? Margin, like, room to do what you really want to do, or even what you're called to do, or what you need to do. Is there space for it? I gotta tell you from from my own perspective, thinking about margin, uh, I know when I don't have enough margin, when I have this euphoric feeling deleting something on my calendar. Uh, It feels great. (laughs) Oh, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. And it makes some room, because we need margin, we need the space in our life because we're so easily distracted and grabbed day to day. It's disagreed upon by people, scholars that study these sorts of sociological or psychological trends, but anywhere from 250 to 2,500 times a day, I would say, depending on the person, anywhere from 250 to 2,500, people touch their phone, pick it up to check it. Now, if it's near the 2,500 times, that's like every five minutes. Uh, We're distracted. And maybe you're like really good at setting it aside. I was talking to somebody this past week, they were uh, in a prison to do some prison ministry and they didn't have their phone with them and they kept touching their thigh <laughs> in their pocket and kept feeling like, oh, did it just buzz? Oh no, it's not there. Because they're so used to it, they're so easily uh, just taken away by this, this thought of like, I gotta check something. My friend Laura, I think I've shared this before, had a post-it note on her computer and it said, don't worry, the internet will be here when you get back. <laughs> And I try to live that out, you know, because I'm so easily distracted, I think I have, you know, a deep addiction, digital addiction or something. Uh, But it's because we're kind of primed to live that way. Uh, There's this really great book, uh, Shoshana Zuboff. She wrote this book called Surveillance Capitalism. Doesn't it sound just like a thrilling read? And it's about how uh, our data is used to capture our attention in this attention economy. It's why some people say that it's so advanced now uh, that the internet knows you're pregnant before you do. Or certainly before you tell your friends and family based on your, your Google searches or the things you're looking up on Amazon or the things you're looking up on WebMD, all of a sudden the data in your browser is like, ah, this person may be pregnant. The internet knows something before you know it, and and they use those things to make us buy stuff. I mentioned Community, the TV show a few weeks ago, the dean in that show. He says he's level seven susceptible. They're like, when he sees an ad for something, he's like, all of a sudden, I didn't know I needed it. And then all of a sudden, I'm clicking the tracking number to see when it's gonna get here. Uh, We're trained to be what he says is level seven susceptible. We are overloaded with, Invitations to have our attentions grabbed. Uh, I heard a list this week from Richard Swinson, who's a doctor. He says there's, in his book Margin, that there's 20 types of overload. Uh, And so I want to share with you some of those, just a sampling of them. And I realized last week I told you to invite people. And I know there's people here you invited, and they're like here for this to be overloaded. And their anxiety risen. So thanks for being here. Uh, Types of overload. Activity Overload. The kind of the thing I already mentioned that we have so much going on. Who feels like they have way more than enough going on in their life? Yeah, for sure. Uh, And especially in a city like no one can ever say they're bored in a city like Houston. (laughs) There's so much that you can do. Uh, Change overload, and especially now is like uh, it's kind of up and to the right that that. Change is happening exponentially, technological and digital change, political change, cultural change, faster and faster every day, and it's overwhelming. I certainly feel that. A uh, choice overwhelm. Uh, some people call this the Cheesecake Factory menu. They have everything. <laughs> and it's like, how can I possibly choose? Gotta come back next week to get the thing that I didn't get, there's just so much. It's like reading like a novella, but it's just cheesecake. <laughs> Commitment overload. Uh, I'll just confess something really quick. I've sent that text before. It's like, hey, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> I can't make it because uh, I'm just overloaded. And the feeling well is not like I'm sick or I have some bug. It's like something deeper than that. Debt overload. Uh, millennials in Gen Z carry the largest share of debt in our country, and it's overwhelming. And that's why no matter what um, side of the spectrum you fall on politically, that's why it's a hot topic of conversations because debt overloads you with anxiety, expectation overload. Uh, We did this study at Memorial Drive where I used to be a pastor with the students there and their families. And so before we did any sort of like practical work, what are we gonna do to, to solve the problems of the students in our community? We surveyed them and their parents and their peers. And the number one thing that then led the work that we did together at my church was how many students said they felt that they had unrealistic expectations for their lives. But it's not just students. Maybe it's you too, it's people everywhere report that like there's an expectation externally for them and it overloads them. Information overload. As somebody who's like input addicted, I really get this one. It's like there's I think there's too many books in the world and there's too many movies and too many TV shows. And I say that not because those things aren't good, but because I'm never gonna have enough time to consume all of them. (laughs) Today's New York Times, like the one that came out today, will have more data and information in it than a 17th century person would be able to learn in their lifetime. Information overload. Uh, Media overload, again, it was kind of connected to information overload. Do you ever get that feeling like, how am I ever gonna watch Succession? Or God, Colin mentioned Love is Blind and there's four seasons of that and Community and there's six seasons of that. How am I ever gonna watch everything I'm supposed to watch? And you're like still watching the West Wing. It's like, come on, you know? (laughs) <laughs> Entertainment overload, I, f- I feel that too. There are, like so many things, my like, people are like, have you watched this yet? And it's like, no, there's a new Star Wars show like every week it feels like. How am I supposed to watch it? Noise overload, we can talk about especially in a city in an urban environment, there's too much noise. I was at this retreat this past week in San Antonio and we we're like having this like meditative moment and then all of a sudden like it seemed like a flock of birds chirping and the lawnmower came by in the same moment and we can't find peace. It's hard to find uninterrupted noise and fatigue overload. I'm tired out, no energy. Don't know how we can spend energy that we don't have to get up and do it again the next day all of these things, vying for our attention. And then when they get our attention, they fill our lives with what they want, with what they need. They make us say yes before we want to say yes. And before we know it, our calendar is filled, our mind is filled, we're anxious, we're afraid, we're longing, and we can find no peace. And in the spiritual life, like that's the goal, to become a person of love, to center ourselves and seat ourselves at the feet of Jesus and feel at peace, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings. I want to feel peace in my heart. Then Ronald Rollheiser, Catholic priest, says, we're distracting ourselves into oblivion. I feel that deeply. Uh, Distract myself that in every moment, I can't just wash the dishes uh, in the quiet or in the noise of washing the dishes. That's my podcast time. (laughs) Or I can't just take a walk outside without wanting to like scroll through TikTok. Or I, I can't just sit down and do nothing. I gotta read, I gotta consume something. I gotta distract myself for whatever reason. A self soothing activity. Again, I told you to invite people this week. Uh, welcome again. <laughs> and I'm feeling anxious just saying it out loud because I know it to be true that we are distracting ourselves into oblivion. And that's why I'm grateful for words like the words we find in Hebrews today this picture of Jesus and these people, these early followers of Jesus, the, the guidance that the author is giving them is pretty simple if we look at it. First, uh, run the race. In, in shorter terms, run the race that's given to you. Don't run somebody else's race. Don't think about how badly you're being the people behind you or how far you are behind the people in front of you. Run your race. And lighten the load, you know, he talks about like throwing off the things that so easily distract or dissuade us. Throw those things off, lighten the load, easier said than done, I know. And even though you're not trying to run their race, he also talks about this great cloud of witnesses, that is, find people that are steps ahead of you and follow behind them, draft behind them, imitate them, get guidance from them. And not just throwing off the things that distract you, but more than that, throw off your sin what our Catholic friends call purgation. Kill sin before it kills you, some people say. And this isn't a sermon about sin, but I think we all know there's probably a couple of things we can identify right now in this moment that are like, that isn't good for me. (laughs) That isn't uh, good for my spiritual life. That isn't good for my peace. That isn't good for cutting out my anxiety and I do it anyway. So we wanna purge it. And then, of course, simply. Look at Jesus, the pioneer, the one who charted the path, and then not only charted the path, but ran it perfectly. Seek Jesus out, look at Jesus, center your life on Jesus. If we could summarize it, just really, really short, all of those pieces of advice that the author of Hebrews gives us, it would be centered on this, find the one thing Find your center of gravity, find the one path, find the one task, find the one calling, the one vocation, find the one person Christians have wanted to say to model your your life after. I'm reminded of, of Paul who said, imitate me, and he doesn't say just in myself, but imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Or think about your favorite pastor or spiritual leader. Imitate them as they imitate Jesus. Imitate your parents if they gave you the faith as a gift. Imitate them as they imitate Jesus. But center your life on this one thing from which all things flow, from which all overwhelm could be taken away, from which all purgation could be done. Simplify it. Take it away. Subtract it. Loosen it. And again, I say this, easier said than done, but it's the first step. It's the first offering, it's the first willingness we give, the first surrendering, the first yielding we give to say, okay, I've gone off the path, I followed this guy, I followed that person, I followed this way, I've been overwhelmed by this, I've been distracted by that. Today, in every moment maybe, or when you wake up in the morning, I'm gonna follow Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to run behind Jesus. I'm going to seek him out, pioneer and perfecter. I'm going to center myself on the stories of his life or on his teachings. I'm going to pray to him. I'm going to long for him. I'm going to come to the table and experience him. But in all things, my family, my work, my hobbies, my downtime, my life as it is centered on, pointing toward, gravitating around Jesus. Two years ago, uh, if you were in Houston, We had a collective experience uh, in February of 2021, um, the freeze, Uh, and uh, I want to have a disclaimer here at the beginning, but I know for many people, it wasn't a good thing, and I don't in any way want to say it was a good thing. uh, From the fact that it killed everyone's beautiful plants and destroyed their yards, to the fact that People died, and people's homes were lost, and people were without food and with water without water for days. But I have this, this odd, weird affection for those four days. And here's why. When, I, when my time hop comes up, or my, my Facebook memories, there's this post that I made uh, after we got internet and power back. <laughs> um, that Landon and I, over those four days, bundled up with our dog, cooking everything on a Weber grill, not leaving the house, Uh, read a large fantasy novel out loud to each other. (laughs) We never do that. (laughs) But I have a really warm memory of those four days of doing that. And I rather enjoyed the book, uh, Darker Shade of Magic, V.E. Schwab. There's my pop culture recommendation to you. I'm giving more to your media and entertainment overwhelm. Uh, And read it out loud with someone. A A plus experience, you can do it. Uh, But it wasn't just that, it was that by force, by nature, by circumstance, what else could we do? Uh, I don't know about you, but there was like a time, it'd be like 5.30 every night for those four days, we were like, well, is it bedtime? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then we'd fall asleep and then wake up at two or three, you know? Uh, we were forced into simplicity. I was, I was just on this retreat, like I said, this past week. And they had built into the re- retreat, obviously, some times of teaching and of learning, but also built in some Sabbath time at this, this retreat center in San Antonio. And one of the retreat leaders says, boredom is a requirement. I really liked that. And it reminded me of that time with Landon and the freeze. where like, we couldn't help but be bored. But I, ha- I have to admit, I have to confess that there was a brief moment. We had turned all the light switches on in the house in case if we were at, asleep at night and then the power came on, we'd be woken up by the light. But one day in the middle of the day, the power came on and our Wi-Fi came on and I like immediately grabbed for my phone. and was like, we need to know what's happening in the world and I have to text everyone and I have to keep up with what's going on and there's so many YouTube videos I gotta watch. <laughs> but it was a brief moment and it turned back off again. And back we were to reading this book out loud together. I don't want to, again, romanticize the circumstances of that event. But with that experience, what we did with it, and this isn't to say, like, we have this brilliant idea, like, look how good of people we are. Uh, But we had books, and we had books to read, and we were forced into being bored, and then forced into sharing this connection, and we were forced to not be distracted. We couldn't be distracted. That's all there was in that moment, was cooking on the Weber grill, waiting till it got dark, maybe turning on a lantern, and reading, focusing, giving our sole attention to that. I'm reminded of this image that someone told me about discipleship a few years ago, uh, that uh, a woodpecker could peck a hundred trees one time, or it could peck one tree a hundred times. When we think about subtracting our distraction, getting rid of those things that grab our attention, that so easily capture us, as Hebrews puts it, if we spread ourselves out, we become a little bit of a hundred different things but if we want to follow Jesus, we could become one thing and give a hundred hours to it. We could force ourselves into those freeze moments. And again, I say it's easier said than done. The circumstances of your life, you have busy lives, you have jobs, you have children, you have spouses, you have other stuff going on in your life, but what would it look like to set aside the time, to set aside the attention, to freeze for a moment to focus Jesus' work on, on, on the earth, Jesus' work in ministry wasn't spread out all over the place. He wasn't all things to all people. He was one thing for all people. This pioneer and perfecter, this one center of gravity. And then if we, we focus, if we give our attention to this one, to the way that he lived, to the, the way that he, he, he led people, to the way he gathered communities, the way he loved people, the way he poured himself out, it then touches all those areas of our life. That if we're distracted by only one thing, the way of Jesus, our lives can be poured out into many things. Uh, Pete Scazzaro is a pastor uh, and now runs a nonprofit called Emotionally, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Really, really good work. I'd recommend this stuff to you. And he has this podcast where he kind of goes over these themes, and it's kind of a leadership podcast. But he had a recent episode called Spaciousness, and it's really had an impact on me to think about like how I live my work life and live my romantic and married life and how I live my family life. And one conclusion that he gave that I just think really is important for us to kind of assess on our own lives and our own particular ways and our following of Jesus is this, that when you have a spacious life, then you can be a gift to others. And a spacious life is that you've uh, said yes less, (laughs) that you've given attention to those kind of top three important things in your life that you've set things aside that really aren't moving the needle, that you've given more attention to your spiritual life and your your kind of interior life than all these external circumstances of your life, and that when you have a more spacious life, when you have less distractions in your life, when you cut more things out of your life, you're able to be more for other people. And as we go into this series, we get into more of the nitty-gritty practical piece of what it means to subtract things from our lives. That's the aim. Because Jesus gave himself for others. And the only way that we can give ourselves for others individually and as a branches community, as families and as neighborhoods, is if we make space for it. And look at Jesus as pioneer and perfecter of the one who did it perfectly. And that he's the one that can lead us and he's the one that can shape our lives. And he's the one we're making space for to enable us and encourage us and empower us to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. My encouragement for me, digitally addicted as I am and distracted as I am, my encouragement and invitation for you is to be bored this week when you can, to set aside time in the quiet. I think this series really pairs well with our Sabbath series they go hand in hand together. And also, see if there's things in your life, things that you could easily subtract. Start with those things and work your way up all to the end, all to the expectation, all to the goal, all to the telos of seeing Jesus ahead of you and saying, okay, I'm on the path I can go. I can run my race. There's one tree, not a hundred trees. There's one end I want to go to. There's one life I want to live. There's one set of qualities and principles I want to center myself on. And this person... God in the flesh perfected it, and I want to follow him. So let's do that together. Let's pray.